Welcome to The Word is Resistance. We are a podcast exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our roles in resistance, in showing up in liberation? What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these pandemic times, the pandemic of COVID-19 and the centuries-long pandemic of white supremacy? I'm Reverend Margaret Ernst, and I use the pronouns she, her, and hers. I'm United Church of Christ minister, an associate pastor at Chestnut Hill United Church in the Northwest section of what is currently called Philadelphia in Lenape Hoking territory. I am also very honored to work at this time for Faith Matters Network, a womanist-led organization focused on personal and spiritual transformation. I am also pleased to have been involved in various capacities, including with this podcast, with Showing Up for Racial Justice, which organizes white people to fight white supremacy. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians white Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian traditions. You can find out more about Surge and and listen to other episodes from the three years of this podcast at showingupforracialjustice.org. The song you'll hear playing throughout the podcast is a live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's Song for the Freedom Movement of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, and it's being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful for the Freening Harding family that they let us use this song for the podcast. Thanks for being here, and Merry Christmas! podcast called Abolition Advent. Through Claire, Nicola, Anne, and Drew, we spoke of the heavens tearing open, of demolition, of ruin and longing, of turning the world around, starting with ourselves. There is so much talk of tearing open and tearing down in Advent, and this has felt so right this year, because the pandemic has revealed the true scale of what we must tear down. It has revealed how the systems in which we live are not designed for our survival and and thriving, something which Black, Indigenous, and people of color have known here and have been telling us here on Turtle Island for a very long time. No matter where you are right now or what's hanging on the shelf of your heart, I hope you can feel the grace of God's wild love upon you, Divine love which doesn't make sense to us, that we think we're never deserving of. God's love that switches around everything about what it even means to be deserving. God's love that surprises us, renews us, 
changes us, shakes us awake, and whispers and sometimes shouts in our ear, come alive. I want to start this Christmas episode in the same way that Reverend Drew began the last Sunday of Advent, with a confession. Here it is. When the pandemic started, when the world stopped, and when everything shut down in March, even though I was more physically isolated, I felt less alone. When every plan and preparation was thrown by the wayside, when everything that seemed normal was no longer safe, when all that mattered was how we would get through, through one minute and then through the next day and the next, I felt less alone. Nine months before the pandemic, I lost my parent very suddenly. She was the person I knew as my dad. She came out as a woman, as her true self, at 61 and died at 68. Her name was Carla. She died on June 5th, 2019, to a sudden blood clot in the middle of the night. With one phone call, everything turned upside down. The world stopped spinning. The only thing that mattered was that minute, then the next, then the next hour, then the next day. As my boss at Faith Matters Network, Reverend Jennifer Bailey, reminded me when I told her this news, the only thing that mattered was to keep breathing. Normal was put on pause. There was no more normal. My grief process, like most people's, has been utterly non-linear. Adrenaline, numbness, disassociation, processing, art, creativity, singing, isolation, community, reaching out, drawing away. All of it has been a part of my journey. By March, when there was news of a pandemic sweeping the world, I was beginning to crawl out of a shell that had lasted nearly a year since my parent died. It had been a shell of self-preservation and a shell of great fear and sadness. As I have now learned, like an infinity of beings before me and behind me, when the initial period passes after a major loss, things start to get really lonely. The funeral was long over, the logistics behind me, but the shock had not faded, nor the need for support. The shame in asking for that support was titanic. Even if you know people are there for you and their actions even show it, you can get more and more embarrassed about reaching out when you're struggling. I remember going to a party, the first party I'd been to in months. I was panicked. I didn't know how to talk about anything, except that my parent had died in the middle of the night. Months before, yes, but it felt like two days before. So I didn't talk, or I lied about how I was doing, or found some fixture on the wall to focus on while I pretended to smile. I remember going to a meeting at a friend's house, and the wall of shame I moved through in order to share with them that I was running late because I was having an anxiety attack in the car. I was filled with fear I couldn't understand and couldn't stop crying. You may know this feeling if you have lost someone, recently or long ago or if you struggle with depression or anxiety, or any name with which you understand sorrow and fear. 
and you'll know how brutally terrifying it is to be honest, to not want to dampen someone's day, to not ruin the party. There were days that my fear of honesty felt more insurmountable than the grief itself. But every time someone else was honest about the realities of their experience of a major loss, something shifted in me. Every time someone told me I had every right to feel like a total mess, something shifted, even though it was so hard to believe. Every time someone said with their words or with their doing, I'm with you, something shifted. Every time someone told me I didn't have to be strong or competent all the time to be loved and valuable and worthy of friendship and care, something shifted. So when the pandemic started, when there was a collective loss of control and normalcy, and everyone was talking about how it was perfectly normal to be in a mess and in deep sorrow and fearful and not on our A-games, I breathed more deeply than I had in a year. It was not that I was relieved, not at all. I was terrified, and I was enraged. I was enraged knowing that even though at that time I never could have guessed the scale, I sensed that it would not be the virus that would be to fault for the mass death that it would unfold, but it would be human cruelty, incompetence, white supremacy, capitalism, and lack of care. Yet, as someone for whom loss and crisis and isolation had felt like my everyday reality, my confession is still I breathed easier within my rage and my fear. Because finally, after what had felt like a lifetime in grief after only nine months, I no longer felt so alone. As it was the final nail in the coffin, in my belief that my own loss and heartbreak and shock was an individual problem to be hidden away and kept secret from the real world of functioning people. At the beginning of the pandemic, here we were together, utterly out of control, unable to function, feeling utterly powerless, with none of our defenses working, face to face with loss, moving through our days, and yet frozen in that moment we got the news. The call that changed every single one of our lives, though to differing effect. The news that there's a virus. It can kill you. It is spreading invisibly, and you don't know if you have it. And you can get it if you talk with or breathe with someone. And you could spread it to them, too. Everything changed. Octavia E. Butler said, in Parable of the Sower, there is no end of what a living world will demand of you. that to hear about the loneliness of others helps us to feel less alone, and that to share in our sadness helps us to feel less sad. 
or to tell each other we are afraid makes us less afraid. It's even more strange in a culture that has cast what it means to be good and human in a sculpture of being emotionally impenetrable and invulnerable, rendered in its highest form in the idealized expression of white masculinity. We are now in a time where the public discussion of deep sorrow has become perhaps just a tad bit more normalized in our culture, which is so fixated on a, such a denial of pain as its reference point. It may take a long time to unnumb ourselves. I suspect that deep truth-telling, space-making, radical honesty, and the discipline to interlace rather than assimilate our experiences will make a difference to our collective grief work, such that that grief work is a medicine and an essential ingredient for justice instead of a tool of empire or false comparison. Hearing each other's sorrows is never to invalidate our own, nor is it to say that they are the same. It is to find each other as kin again, to know each other more fully, to honor each other more radically, including experiences which we can't possibly ever know because they are not our own, and in which we ourselves are complicit. These stories must wake us up and cause us to shift. Last week, my friend Reverend John Bergen, who you'll remember as a former contributor to this podcast, invited me to a vigil that he and his partner were helping to plan with the group they organized with, CADBI, the Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty by Incarceration. CADBI's page, hosted by Decarcerate Pennsylvania, explains that Pennsylvania prisons hold over 5,000 people who are serving life sentences without the possibility of parole. In Pennsylvania, a life sentence means your natural life. That means when your life will naturally end. It's a sentence that condemns you to die in prison, which is so why so many choose to call it death by incarceration. Cadby exists because they believe that sentencing people to death by incarceration is a violation of their human rights and an affront to the humanity of us all. As we stood outside in the cold outside our governor Tom Wolf's office in Philadelphia, the organizers of the vigil played over loudspeakers messages recorded from people who are incarcerated inside the jails and prisons. Family members spoke about what it's like to have loved ones in prison or jail right now. Like in many prisons across the country, there is currently a COVID-19 outbreak in Pennsylvania's prisons. Incarceration had already effectively been a death sentence for people who are serving life sentences. With the pandemic, that cloud of a death sentence is spreading through this already death-based system, a system which attempts to heal through isolation from community, not solidarity. People on the inside of this experience explained not having enough sanitary equipment that had been promised to them, and how nearly impossible it is to physically distance. Prisons don't make sense. Prisons in a pandemic don't make sense. For our call to action on Christmas, I will share at the end about how to raise your voice to call for safety and justice for those who are in Pennsylvania in prison here in this holiday season that has left so many of us isolated, but in drastically different ways.
I don't know the secrets to the work that lies ahead in 2021 in any of the fronts on which we struggle, but I do know that our pain carried together can be carried, and our deepest joys in each other, and our dreams for a world where we are all truly free are unstoppable. Through an honest knowing of each other's pain, we get to know something more about our own. And through the honest eyes of our own pain, we see others' realities better. Bishop Oscar Romero was famous for saying, there are many things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. But empathy alone doesn't shift and change structures held together by power and money. When we listen to the heartbeat inside collective pain, the beat which invites us closer and closer in towards each other, we are inevitably pulled into collective struggle, action, and creation, movements in which we can offer our gifts and get willing to get dirty and take risks and make mistakes and get intimately involved to help make history right, not as saviors, but as friends as people who are, in the most simple words, with each other. Reverend Lenise Pinkard said something in a recent Bible study that I just can't get out of my head. In speaking about how could there be so much suffering in a world with a God, she said, you know, it's not that God is not powerful. It's that God needs more friends. God needs more friends. Yes, if we believe in a God of justice, of love, and righteousness, here's the only thing I can tell you about the great mystery of Christmas. We move first towards God, saying, hey, I'm with you. I need you. We receive God's movement towards us. God says, hey, I'm with you. I need you. From that place of deep kinship, friendship, and solidarity with God towards us, we can then extend to each other, to our closest loved ones, to our co-conspirators, to the people who keep our hope alive. We can extend the same embrace. Hey, I'm with you. I need you. What does it mean to say yes to a God of liberation on Christmas and on every day? To say yes to a God of right relationship who reveals more and more and more and more and more about what relationship even is. What does it mean to say, yes, God, I will be your friend. Show me your pain and I will show you mine. If you have a few minutes on Christmas or in the days following, try this meditation. Bring a symbol, if you need one, of the divine that you might touch. Maybe it's the sun on your face outside, or some icy snow or earth from the ground, or a religious symbol, or a prayer shawl, or a rosary. Turn first, facing God. With your heart, try saying, I'm with you, God. I need you. 
I want you to be held and loved, and I want you to be your truest, most alive, and most free self. I want you to have everything you need for that. Now, say it to yourself, being reminded of the divine's move towards you. I'm with you. I need you. I want you to be held and loved. And I want you to be your truest, most alive, and most free self. I want you to have everything you need for that. Now imagine turning this message out towards someone whom you have recently felt a particular kinship with in their pain, but don't know how to hold it or what to do. Turning towards this person or peoples say, I'm with you. I need you. I want you to be held and loved. And I want you to be your most true, most alive, and most free self. And I want you to have everything you need for that. Heartbreak, loss, separation is always a portal towards what and what kinds of lives and towards what kind of world we get to decide. Here's how to take action to support people who are incarcerated in Pennsylvania during the pandemic. In the last week alone, the Department of Corrections in Pennsylvania has reported over 1,100 new cases and seven deaths of incarcerated people, including a beloved member of CADBE the coalition I mentioned in my story about the vigil. Organizers in Pennsylvania have been calling on Governor Wolf for over half a year to release people who are nearing the end of their sentences and people who are vulnerable to the virus. They're calling on the Pennsylvania legislature to pass legislation that will help more people be eligible for parole and reduce sentences, and on the Department of Corrections itself to immediately implement and enforce basic public health measures, including proper mask use and mandatory testing for staff and more access to masks overall and COVID-19 testing and sanitation supplies for incarcerated people. There is a link for a toolkit that is info about who to contact in the transcript, and you can see the full list of demands at www.decarceratepa.info slash COVID hyphen demands. Also check out Surge's website for a list of ways to lend a hand to our Southern friends for the Georgia runoff, which is just around the corner. It is my deepest prayer that we remember this holiday season as a bridge on the hard journey towards wholeness, not something we cast off from our memories as an aberration and then never talk about again. Because if you were to place me in the pageant this year, I would ask to be a shepherd, simply in awe, tired but glorifying with the greatest gift I have to bring being my honest self, with the big-hearted hope which my own parent whom I lost taught me, and which loss itself has taught me to take seriously. Let us go now and see this thing that has taken place, the shepherds say. Yes, let us go now. Let us tell what happened when our hearts broke open in 2020. Let us tell the truth about which of our own actions and collective structures and patterns will no longer serve us. Let us go now 
and see this thing that has taken place. Yes, let us tell the truth about our own hard questions. Let us tell the truth about how we fell apart, about where we stumbled, about where we were brave beyond our understanding, about how we're learning to be braver. Let us go now and see this thing that has taken place. Let us tell the truth about when we opened wider, about what we learned about the divine, about ways we see the world which may be completely different now, and how we are changed because of it. Yes, let us go now. Merry Christmas. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to our newborn King.